All the referrals route through them. Our average closed referral is about $300,000 per close. The best thing I see, 70% of those assets are from outside the bank. We have no disintermediation issues. In 2020, we did $38 million of net new assets. We did 80 in 2021. We did 160 in 2022, and we're on track to do 150 this year. If you don't get the right people in the role, you, you mistakenly think it's the program versus the people that are in it. And it takes the right talent to be successful. When we were trying to think of ways to promote folks, uh, we gave them three paths. You could go down a leadership path, you could go down the business banking path, or you go down the investment path. Now you've got their buy-in to it because they've selected that path for, for a career. I know when I was a retail leader, I could always count on my financial advisors to tell me exactly what the culture within a branch was, who was working hardest, where I could expect excellent customer experience outcomes. And so it's spot on to lean into that talent to recognize the talent that's coming forward for a program like this. I have five principles of platform success, which do include the pay. They all start with P. So we talked about the people, you gotta get the people right. You have to have the process. How do you train, coach, and motivate them? The product, the fourth is pay. And you probably wonder what the fifth is, and that, that's the party. How do you reward and recognize outside of pay? Quarterly, they have to do a minimum of two new tax ID numbers opened in investments. Annually, the licensed bankers then have a bonus based on their total number of tax ID numbers they generated throughout the year. How much do you incent versus how much do you performance manage on a scorecard? is critical to having a successful program. And then once you strike that balance, carry it through to the manager and regional manager level. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Stathis Mattel Industry Leadership and Success Podcast Series. This series focuses on industry leading performance, success stories, and key business intelligence that will help you meet your leadership objectives. And now I'll turn it over to our hosts, Scott Stathis and Bob Mattel. Hello, I am Scott Stathis, and welcome to this episode of Industry Leadership and Success called the Emergence of Optimized Licensed Branch Employee Programs. In this episode, we will discuss how these programs, when done right, form an effective bridge between the institution and the wealth program, how to select and compensate LBEs, career pathing, success stories, avoiding past mistakes, and more. And we have a great set of guests to discuss these topics with. So with that, let me pass it over to my partner, Bob Mattel, who will introduce himself and then introduce our guests. Bob? Thanks so much, Scott. I am Bob Mattel, and I also welcome you to this podcast. I love this topic. And, and why is that? If you know me, you might remember back in the olden days, I ran a couple of LBE programs at the Dime Savings Bank and Independence Community Bank. And a lot has happened since then, and we will certainly get through all that. And actually, if you haven't heard of Dime, Dime became WAMO, then became Chase. If you hadn't heard of Independence, Independence became Sovereign, which became Santander. So that's how old I am. So there is so much material to cover. Um, so make sure you listen to the entire recording because there's so much coming up and there might be a second one as well. But before we do that, let's get to our panel. From Fremont Bank, we have Chuck Shreve. Chuck, welcome. 
Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. I am Chuck Shreve, as Bob said. I am the Senior Vice President in charge of Wealth Management here for Fremont Bank. Um, and Bob, I did start as an LBE. It sounds like 100 years ago, but a very long time ago. Um, <laughs> we are based up here in Northern California. Uh, we have 20 branches. I have 10 advisors. I have 10 licensed bank employees. We're running about a billion dollars in assets, generating about $6 million of revenue. So looking forward to today, Bob, and I'll turn it back to you. Thanks so much. And thanks for that. I love those LBE stories. I too was an LBE many years ago. So with that, let's go to David Simula from Safe Credit Union. Good day, Bob. And thank you for having me. A privilege to be back. It is true. Also, my name is David Simula. I have the privilege and the responsibility of serving as the sales manager for Safe Credit Union, Sacramento area, 10 advisors, 11 licensed branch employees, about $620 million in assets under management for our program. And we'll do just shy of $5 million in GDC. Thanks again for the privilege to be here. And thank you for joining. And we know both of you have vast experience in this topic. We could not be doing today's podcast without our sponsor, which is LPL. And let's go and meet Kelly Meany from LPL. Thanks so much. Great to be with you. I'm Kelly Meany, Vice President of Business Line Strategy for our institution services team here at LPL. That means I get to wake up every day and think about how we'll deliver on our commitment to our bank and credit union clients. And I've spent 20 years in the industry in retail leadership, learning and development and strategy. So it's a topic also near and dear to my heart. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to your commentary about these programs. Last but not least, we have with LPL, Tiger Booker. Tiger. Thanks, Bob. Tiger Booker, Senior Vice President, and I lead our financial institutions uh, strategy and growth team. And we're excited to be here because we firmly believe that, one, we, we want to help our institutions grow, and the licensed branch employee program is a great way to do it. And so uh, we're committed to bringing these resources to our to our institutions and look forward to the conversation. Uh, and I too also started as a uh, licensed uh, branch manager 24 years ago. So it's near and dear to my heart and uh, I'm excited about the conversation. Okay, so the lesson here is if you ever wanna be a podcaster, you have to start out <laughs> as a licensed branch employee. <laughs> that is the game plan here because there's six people on this panel and three of us have played the role of LBE. So let's get into the real discussion and switch it back over to Scott. Ah. I feel so left out. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been, we were talking about this before we press the record button here, uh, that language matters. And, and I, I think it's very relevant for us to refer to these programs as licensed branch employee programs. One of the reasons is we have a credit union and a bank on, on, uh, on the podcast today. But there are, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. So, you know, licensed branch employee programs or LBE programs for short is how we're going to be referring to them. So uh, with that said, let's start, and David, maybe you can kick us off here, but let, let's start with your overall thoughts on the type of licensed branch employee programs. So referral only versus a selling program versus a hybrid program. I mean, we've gone in, in our channel kind of around and around with this, right? And you guys have had experiences with, with these types of programs. So high-level thinking to start with, David, kick us off. Thanks, Scott. Well, I learned, although I didn't start as a licensed branch employee, I learned about them 20 years ago. 
my program manager, I was an advisor first, got recruited to a, an institution, Texas and California Bank by the name of Guarantee Bank. And I learned what an LBE was. For the last 20 years, I've had the opportunity to see that in place in many different firms in both of those fashions. And it really, it starts from the C-suite. You could do it either way. It is more challenging oftentimes and even to really smart people in our business to have a licensed branch employee program where they sell, that they write business or they're tethered to a financial advisor who's their mentor. But done right, it is it is fantastic. That is the way that we employ and augment our wealth management offering is with selling licensed branch employees. Referring is fine. Uh, the, the institution may have other initiatives that they're trying to accomplish, lending, et cetera, and they don't want to use that that group of uh, that job family for that purpose. Instead, they'd want to refer. Others say, oh, it's compliance. I just don't know. And how does that all work? But you can do it well. And my personal belief is it's best to have them selling because of the, all the other reasons why you would want to do an LBE program, including bench strength, career pathing as an offering to uh, the, our retail partners. Not everybody wants to be a branch manager, but some of those superstars can now join our wealth management offering. And in other institutions, it's it's very similar. Referral, fine. That's the strategy from the C-suite. I'm a little biased and I've seen it work very well because it also helps you retain advisors who oftentimes can override and then also give them an opportunity to develop their management skills and build a team. Do you have an opinion on why you think a lot of financial institutions shy away from selling LBE programs. I have a, I have a couple of them, and it's I know I've I've been known to say, and I'm not afraid to say that it's it's hard for smart people to admit they can't do something. And oftentimes, getting a, an LBE program right does take all of the ingredients in the recipe. Yeah. The high cost sometimes of taking that army of LBEs. We're at we're at ten. We're going to go or eleven. We're going to go to forty. The cost of that has to be measured against the value even ahead of time. And oftentimes the folks in the C-suite, again, and I say this, they'll come with sharp pencils and say, are these folks really contributing? And if they miss the, the value that they're offering. For us, it's members for a credit union, for a bank, it's clients. So it's almost the same. These are the people that you work for. That, that takes a special emphasis and patience to have a selling program. And I think that that's oftentimes, whether it's, I don't know how to do this, and I'm glad LPL is here. And, and there are lots of resources to help in other broker dealers as well. But it, it takes a lot of work to get it right. But when it when it's right, it's like an orchestra and done right. The maestro has a lot of fun too. And there's significant contribution qualitatively, as we mentioned, career pathing, not only to the retail partners, getting more exposure for it helps us expose uh, or I guess would say get more exposure for our wealth management group as well. Having licensed branch employees who sell, we're there every week, we're there every month and they, they don't forget us. So I love your analogy of the orchestra and, and we'll dig into this a little bit more, this being selling versus referral because both, both can work. Right. Um, but there's, there are very interesting differences. So Chuck, give us your thoughts relative to that. And, I don't know whether I know whether your program is selling or referral. So fill us in. <laughs> yeah, sure, Scott. Well, I do agree with David that it does matter what the C-suite drives. 
once the C-suite drives it, whatever program you're going to do will be successful. Ours is a referral-based program. Um, our licensed bankers are responsible for not just investment referrals, but also bank accounts. They have a book of business, a book of bank clients as, as their book. They are responsible for residential lending targets and commercial lending targets. So they have to be the branch quarterback for the branches they are assigned. All the referrals route through them. Then they disperse it out to their star players, if you want to call it that. So when it comes to their profiling, we assist with that. We help them with that. We help them identify opportunities. Then they'll refer to my team of FAs, and the FAs are the selling experts. So we don't get quite as many referrals as David and a credit union would, but our referrals are much higher quality. Our average closed referral is about $300,000 per close. Wow. Um, we have generated well over $125 million in net new assets this year alone from the referrals coming from the private bankers, licensed bankers. The best thing I see, 70% of those assets are from outside the bank. That's so a great we have no We have no disintermediation issues in our institution. That's nice. Uh, well, well done. So... Kelly and Tiger, you guys have seen both and you've supported both types of programs, right? So, so give us, give us your thoughts from a partner that is, that, that has to support both types of programs. Kelly, you want to see, no, no, Tiger. All right, you go. <laughs> I, I might start, sorry. I, I might start and, and I would agree with both David and Chuck. The, the reality is the commitment to the program, whatever decision you make, is the first step in success, right? You have to be committed to the program. And you got to committed to the path that you've chosen. So if you if you've chosen the the path of the banker selling and you commit the resources, you commit the training, you commit the time, that program can be very successful. Um, and likewise for referral only. I happen to have experience in both. I was when I started as a licensed banker, um, I was selling. Uh, I had caps on what I could sell. I had a limited product set in what I could sell, like most of our licensed banker programs, but we we sold. And then in a later life, when I was managing them, we were in a referral only model. Um, and so I can, I, I see the benefits uh, of both. Ultimately, um, you know, where, where I saw the benefit was um, oftentimes a, a licensed banker, because they may be limited in their knowledge or, or resources, uh, tends to to sell into a product or sell into a solution um, without thinking broader or thinking with the with the, a bigger picture. And a referral only model takes some of that pressure off to where they can engage with a, a financial advisor for a comprehensive review. And so, what I found myself doing was celebrating small wins as a banker. And I forgot that there was a big win that I was missing because maybe I was I was limited in my my purview. That was my experience. Clearly, it, it can be done in a lot of different ways, but that's where I saw the benefit of a referral only program for 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 my experience uh, because it opened the door to bigger opportunities. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, and and I want to refer back to uh, Chuck what you described because it sounds like your LBEs are true 
professional triage people, the concierge of of the branches, so to speak, right? I mean, I, that sounds like it's the way you look at them. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, Scott. They are the key for their two or three branches they're responsible for. Like I said, they have a book of business, so they've got about 150 to 200 clients each that they're responsible for, and they're, they follow up with regular meetings, quarterly financial updates, um, and then their job is also to, to triage the referrals coming from our branch employees. Some of those are large, some of them are small, but we still triage all of them and refer them over as appropriate. It sounds like you have a good system in place. So Kelly, um, give us your thoughts. And then David, I'm going to throw it back to you as well. Yeah, and I'm thinking about as Chuck describes that, it, you know, regardless of what you commit to, as Tiger said, I'm thinking about the training that you offer the licensed branch employees um, and those that they'll partner with. How will they know the best way to experience a client or member introduction? When, under what circumstances, what can they expect in return from that referral and what sort of follow-up will they get? So as Tiger mentioned, however you commit to whichever process, the training that goes into the rest of the team, understanding what that triage process will look like, as Chuck mentioned, will matter so much. David, you have some thoughts? Well, one one follow-up thought, you know, we hope to grow up and be like Chuck and his group where you have a private, almost a private client offering. We have one private client manager who works with our top 150 depositors licensed. So the part for us as we are selling also helps to uh, absorb some of the opportunity cost for our FAs. If they are only working in every single branch and covering a 10,000 or a 20,000 or a 50,000 opportunity, that's at the expense of them sitting in front of a, of a larger opportunity. And so that that's uh, comparing and contrasting referral versus a selling LBE program. It does help us with our FAs. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more too, but um, I have taken up enough time with my question. I need to pass it back to Bob for his question. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I, I have to make a note here though, that both David and Chuck describe these things differently. Um, David was the maestro of the orchestra Chuck was the quarterback. So regard, regardless of you're conducting an orchestra or, or, or planning the offensive line, integration is going to be very important. That was my segue into integration, changing the topic. <laughs> well done, Bob. Well done. <laughs> integration is very important with any initiative in this industry. And language is part of the integration. So integration with the retail bank must be a primary goal of any program. You know, so how, Chuck, Coach, I'm going to call you Coach and, and David Maestro. So, Coach, how do these programs fit structurally in, in, in your organization, you know, in the BD and also with financial advisors? And there's a lot in that question, Coach. Yeah, that's a lot of moving pieces there. Um, first of all, our LBE program is managed by uh, one woman. She handles the direct management of those 10 licensed bankers. She and I report to the same manager who runs our community bank. So we both report up together to the same boss. She and I meet every week. We are reviewing pipeline reports, issues, you know, when are we on her agenda, et cetera, et cetera. That is done weekly. Quarterly, we are part of the licensed banker training program. So we are presenting, whether it be product or market updates or economic updates, 
to the licensed bankers. I also have a sales manager who's out in the field working jointly with the licensed banker and the FA. So each licensed banker has a key FA that they refer to. However, they may have two, three, four, five partners they work with depending on the branch. And my field sales manager, he's out there making sure we're not crossing paths. We're not, you know, as now I'll use a movie analogy, we're not crossing streams here to blow up the world. So we want to make sure we're doing the right things for the client as appropriate. So communications integration is key. We do joint recognition meetings. We do joint recognition trips. Uh, the LBEs sit in on client meetings with the FAs to ensure that we're all on the same page. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of communication going on across a lot of different channels. So we've just promoted you to executive producer from from coach. But let me go ask more about that financial advisor role, because financial advisor obviously is looking for the referrals. And that relationship with the LBE has got to be th the most important of the whole integration. Yeah, they are in lockstep. So they do marketing events together. We just had a great holiday event for um, one of our advisors last night. We had 100 clients there. The FA was the host, but his five licensed bankers were there sitting with their clients at the table, having a good time. It's all about working together and working as a team. So um, they do get recognized together, which I think is a big deal. Um, we also don't have the licensed bankers competing with compensation. They're on completely different compensation programs. So I think that's another way that I know we'll talk about that later, but compensation is another way that you can uh, help integrate them together. We will absolutely, and I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves, we will talk about compensation in a bit, but that idea of the holiday um, experience is, is great. So this podcast will probably hit in January. So everyone, when you listen to this, you should be putting that in your plans for 2024. But um, Maestro Simula, um, same question, integration. Well, thanks. And I'll stay with the illustration, if you don't mind, uh, on structurally. And, and Chuck has got it right on. That licensed branch employee needs a mentor in the field. And that's an FA. So structurally, although they report to the credit union at, at our place as an employee, they are a dotted line to that FA. FA is responsible. So first chair, second chair, third chair, if you're tracking, you know, a little bit of that illustration, they've got somebody they can learn from and hold their hand through those opportunities. So structurally, we have in our group, sales manager, that's me, who is responsible for training, coaching, and motivating. We're at the spot where we're about to bring in at, at that number, a sales manager. So Chuck is right, right on to have somebody there training the trainers, uh, the shepherd for those FAs, teaching them how to train, coach, and motivate. And keeping an eye, uh, the, the referee sometimes they have to be. But we're, we're not there yet. We, we structurally have a wealth management program that goes into our retail. We feed into that and then into the chief experience officer. So structurally, that has helped with the second part of your question was about culture. Yes. SAFE tried to do a licensed branch employee program two times before they 
before they they called me and said, "Hey, can you help us do this?" And so, I, as part of my responsibilities, I had the privilege to to help them do it right, and that that is with people right inside managing, not externally. Can't under um, understate the importance of this continual nurturing for a licensed branch employee program, whether it is referral only or if, if they're selling. So somebody's got to be continuing uh, to feed them. So the culture in that at Safe, just as an example, the relationship officers were they were experiencing 20 to 25 percent turnover each year in that job family so the culture was could we put a higher level in license them give them a chance to have a career path and earn extra money and give them a bump and more prestige and, and certainly uh, that culture has changed we get now we get more time in the branch we started them with a 25 percent allocation of time that helped them see the opportunity uh, to use that time, so maybe one day a week or 10 hours over the course of a week. And that culture affords us then the opportunity to get them once a month and train them for a morning and then once a quarter, similar to, to Chuck's strategy where they can almost take their uh, branch responsibilities hat off and just come and be with us for a full day. And, and we'll have advisors present in our private client manager present and certainly help them. The two keys, of course, are the sales process and then the tools along the way for discovery and asset appropriation. I think structurally, very, very important. You've got everybody on the same page and knows their lane to run in. And then the culture, we're changing the culture. This is a uh, safe mission is, is building financial freedom. We are helping them every day. Somebody's in a branch um, at another level than they were even just four years ago. I had a follow-up, but I see Tiger's hand up. Tiger, all you. Actually, my, mine was a follow-up, if you don't mind. Um, yep. Both um, Chuck and David, you mentioned how important having that support in the field is uh, having advisors that can act as mentors. Sometimes it can be challenging to, to find um, advisors that are really good advisors and also really committed to that mentoring and coaching and, and developing. And I'm just curious if there's anything that either one of you have done, maybe both of you, um, Chuck, since we started with you, maybe you can start anything you've done to either incent, reward, recognize advisors that have really gone above and beyond in, in helping coach um, and mentor bankers, because we know that is foundational to a successful program. Yeah, we have a pretty good um, referral, not referral, recognition program for anybody within the bank. It's called Above and Beyond. So we can recognize that teamwork just for doing something out of the ordinary. Now, we also do quarterly recognition for the most, the highest performing teams. So the FA and the uh, licensed banker who work together both on net new clients and net new assets. So the teams that do the best working together uh, are recognized in that. It turns out I have four of my FAs who were licensed bankers at one time. So sometimes just knowing that program is a help to be a coach. Two of my top producers, one was a teacher. So for him, it's just normal to go in and be a teacher, not just to the clients, but to the licensed bankers so they can help, help their clients, not just with investments, but is it time for lending based on interest rates? What do you, options do you have if you own commercial property? all of those issues. So we do look for that when we're interviewing other 
candidates to come into the organization. So, Tiger, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's 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 great, David. I think you're. I'd agree. I'd agree wholeheartedly. But let's let's face it. Let's start for an FA. Start with a comp. Right. They wonder, and an FA will say, if you're going to do this, um, are they here to compete with me? I just had one letter, and it's L. They're here to complete what you do, not compete with what you do. And done right, uh, that can really help them. We had to develop pitch books for advisors to help them understand that. And certainly that's where we start. Our compensation, whether they write it or refer it, they are paid the same. It just levels the playing field. We don't want to incent them to try to catch a big fish that they can't reel in without calling in their senior advisor. Either way, and we also want to motivate them. So that's important. And we do share the compensation very, I would say, richly. I, we keep in touch with what is paid out there and we don't want to lose anybody for pay. So that is, it is, a, I'll have an FA that will make, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 extra this year on, on an override, rewarded, as I say, incented and rewarded for their efforts to do that. And so to help them become better, it, a lot of them were never managers. Like Chuck, Chuck mentioned, my, my best builder of LBEs is a former LBE. And he has skills and he has a degree in management and he wants to manage. Others don't want to. So we use other tools. Certainly have standards. I've had a whole LBE foundations. Now that we have an LBE, you know, a whole branch kit for them to follow. And then I invest in those FAs like a licensed branch employee sales manager would into them, teaching them, here's how you work with your licensed branch employee and give them kind of the foundations for that. So I have a whole toolkit for that training the trainer. But then we also play to the one of the other motivators for great FAs, uh, not just comp competition. They like to win. So we stack rank our LBEs by their revenue and put that up for everybody to see. And we make sure we thank them for that and appreciate them health in a healthy manner, of course. No, that that's great. And we will, I promise our listeners, we will get deeper into compensation goals and performance management. Um, complete versus compete. Love it, David. Let me ask Kelly. Kelly, you have a lot of experience in this avenue. And, you know, what what else can you share about this whole idea of integration? It's a great point. I think the, the piece about culture that we've spoken to really can't be ignored or overlooked or underscored anymore. Uh, the, how the regional leadership team is structured uh, to ensure investment performance shows up in their scorecard and their expected behaviors. We've touched on a little bit is critically important that there's physically space accounted for to absorb these licensed employees. So as you think about within your branches, uh, whether or not there'll be capacity for that headcount. I think about the motivation that the branch team has to support investments as a priority. So comp plays a role. You mentioned we talk about that, but even before compensation, does it cause any perceived impact to the customer experience? Does it cost our best team player time while they're away being licensed and trained? And how is that accounted for in the year end results? How does that long-term win of having a licensed branch employee impact the rest of the team in the short run and these relatively uh, short run roles in some cases. So what tasks also might the LBE stop doing? So I was, I was being thoughtful, David, you were talking about such incredible training programs and there's obviously a great integration with the branch leadership team to account for the tasks that need to roll off of the LBE when there's time committed to those training programs. So they've obviously been really thoughtful about that. There's a ripple effect of work that moves across the rest of the branch when you integrate something like this and being um, thoughtful about that on the front end can cause 
uh, a lot of great outcomes. David, I think you would you'd probably add to that. In our, oh, you're, you're tracking perfectly. In our second year at SAFE, we began to get the managers of LBEs once a month to come, not just for the whole LBE meeting, but for a half an hour ahead of time to talk about what's working, what's not working, teach them some of the fundamentals of what this should look like in your branch, and then have their managers there as well giving them permission, so to speak, for it. Yeah, it's okay for them to be on that conference call, to listen to that Stathis Mattel podcast or another industry resource to sharpen their sauce. And I just wanted to add one more tip before I pass it on to Scott. We're all talking about the amount of time that an LBE will be using, and they're part of the retail bank. You know what? Everyone always gets that allocation from the retail bank. Might as well use that allocation. To, you know, everyone's paying for a piece of everything in the retail bank. I remember from my experiences, I did my budget and then you get the allocations. Hey, here's a good way to maximize the opportunities with those allocations. And with that, I think Scott's going to get a little bit deeper into the weeds with this stuff. Yeah, and everybody's waiting uh, with bated breath for the compensation part. So we're going to put that off one more question. Um, it, so, so let's get to selection first. So... How about selection? So what criteria do you use to select and qualify candidates to get licensed? And then how do you support that process? Uh, Chuck, you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, we've we've licensed two individuals coming from the branches to become licensed bankers over the last 12 months. They had to raise their hand. They went to their bank leadership, so the regional managers of the bank, and said, this is where I want to take my career. They then worked with the manager of the LBE program to figure out allocation of time to take the classes. Because in the state of California, if you want to get licensed, you have to do it on work hours. So we had to allocate time that they were in the branches doing branch work to now go train and learn how to pass the licenses. So uh, we had to get bank buy-in that this was a good thing. So as we were moving these bank employees into licensed bankers, the branches were starting to recruit. They were trying to backfill. So we had to communicate with them, these individuals who were coming in. Um, once they raised their hands, we go through an interview process. They, they go through the, they had to be recommended, of course, by the bank and their branch to they get, they get uh, interviewed by the manager of the licensed banker program. They get interviewed by me to see if this is really going to be a good addition to our team. Uh, do they meet all the compliance requirements? Do they meet now the broker-dealer requirements that are required of them? And then if they do that, then we set up the program. Um, my sales manager helps them with the licensing. He makes sure they go to classes. They pass the exams. We have 100% pass rate. So once they get their Series 7, 66, then they can start doing their new role and we start training them more on the um, investment side of the world. They probably know how to do loans because they were in a branch. They know how to open checking accounts. They were in a branch. They know how to talk to commercial customers. They were in a branch. But they don't know how to review a brokerage statement from Merrill Lynch. So we help them with that training. So that's what we go through, Scott, when we start to move a bank employee into the licensed uh, branch program. Okay. So so if you uh, so there's a difference between 
waiting for platform people to raise their hand and assessing your platform people and saying this one, that one, and the other would probably make good licensed bankers, licensed branch employees, <laughs> and we should talk to them about it, right? So you're you're the the former, right? You wait for them to raise their hands. My assumption, and you tell me if this is correct, my assumption is in order for there to be enough awareness of the values of a licensed branch employee program, so they do raise their hand, it has to be promoted or it has to be really successful. I mean, there has to be an awareness or, or, or that doesn't work, right? So so how do you how do you do that? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, how do we do it? The awareness is built through one, we're out in the branches all the time. First of all, the licensed bankers are in their two or three branches every day. So are the FAs and they're promoting it because if we get more licensed bank employees, we will do more business. So they want more referrals to come to them. So they will promote their individuals who are giving, maybe talking to them in the break room, at lunch, what's going on in the market today? Why did interest rates go down? Gee, why is the market going up today? And you know, all that information, they say, well, I've got somebody of interest. Let's see if I can't push them that direction to raise their hand. Would you like to do this? So we do move them in that direction. We also do a lot of um, quarterly uh, seminars with clients that they are invited to so that they can see what the team does. They're very participative with all of our events that we do, not just holiday events, but women's only events, uh, seminars, all sorts of different events that we take care of. So we do a lot of communication across all the channels. So, so what I'm hearing, Chuck, is it is now baked into your culture. It's part of the way you do business. Yeah, we started this program about four years ago, and it is now baked in. In yeah. 2020, we did $38 million of net new assets. We did 80 in 2021. We did 160 in 2022. And we're on track to do 150 this year. So, yes, nice. it is baked into our culture. Good job. That's impressive. So, David, how does that compare, contrast to the way you do the selection and et cetera, et cetera? Thanks, Scott. I'm tracking almost parallelly, certainly a success factor is building that culture. Our starts in the in the early stages of casting the vision. You heard perhaps we, we have 11, we're going to 40. They know we're going to be looking for a few good men and women who might be able to, to fill those slots. We talk even with HR on the recruiting, we help them understand what we're looking for in a person so that they can use that to recruit somebody even for to be a banker. This is a possibility of a, of a career path. Certainly in the referral trainings, Chuck talks about in the, in the branches, it's like guerrilla training. If you're out there, you better be flying the flag for, for wealth management and we're looking for LBEs, even just to cultivate the, the awareness and for us to find out who, who can identify an opportunity and then make an introduction on, on a referral. Taking that a little deeper, I go, I have a prospect list, I'm like an MLB scout, and I work with our head of retail and, and I have the list, whether it's personally from being in branches and noticing people who have either expressed an interest or FAs, I'm always asking our FAs to be on the radar. They know it's good for them. And they know if we have someone who, who goes through our vetting process, which is just proof that you can sell a concept in a, in a referral, that they win, the, the uh, FA will 
will win. So who's your best referrers? And that's, it's got to be always in, on. The light has to be on that there's vacancy, right? We have room for more. But then through the through that process, we do go to our top sales folks, and then I'll bring them to the head of retail. It's funny, I got the, uh, well, that one's a no-go. And I, well, I didn't really, I wanted to ask more questions, but but I didn't. I just knew, okay, there's probably something else there. Let's move down the list. But we help we help each other by looking out for each other. She uh, she will say, hey, do you think this person would make a good? And when we get to that spot, we have a nomination process. I've found this to work very, very well. Imagine you were nominated for something, for an award. Uh, even personally, if you're listening to this, like, hey, you've been nominated. You have to receive that nomination for it to go into effect. And so we use that word. Uh, you've been nominated. And we want to visit with you a little bit about, is this something you might consider? That could be somebody brand new or somebody who said, Day one, when they came to work here, hey, I want to be a, I want to be an advisor. I want to be a CFP. And they're just learning how to spell IRA and what all that means. You say, okay, just here are the hoops that we, we need to have you go through. But every once in a while, I do get some of those folks that they come from another industry and my retail partners, knowing what we're looking for, will say, hey, can you talk to them and just kind of describe what that, what this might look like for a career path for them? And I've got, I'm really excited about a couple in our in our group now that have come from other industries willing to take a, a platform position as a banker and they're going to be great because they they just have it you have to i have a i have a 20 competencies of a, what make a great lbe they're not too far off with, from what make a great fa and so we go through that and identify initially and then we of course will train and coach to those competencies to help us make sure we're delivering a standardized solution through our wealth management group the last part of that is just setting expectations. When we when somebody says, I would like to go forward, what does that mean? We talk about the licensing process. As Chuck has said, we start them with a life license. Some of these folks coming right out of college, no problem. A great success rates, 100% also, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> the 14 that we've licensed, a couple have moved on and gotten promoted. So yeah, that's very important to help them win early on the learning. Because as you know, from there, we go SIE, then Series 7, top off, and 66. And those can be a little more challenging, but with the right support, even from your uh, broker dealer has some of those offerings, perhaps. I know LPL's uh, program is one that we are excited about because there's a little more accountability and it can it can broaden those sales management efforts to, to train. And then we report all of that. And when people see that that person is the top LBE and they get to go to the fancy everywhere, if they, we have our top tellers there or our top other job categories there, they say, maybe... Oh, I wonder what that's about. So baked in, I like it, Chuck. Not just because, but because. So good, good stuff, David. And and uh, Tiger, I know you have a comment, but I'm also curious if all of us are going to let David get away with saying he has 20 competencies and not ask him what they are. <laughs> I, I was going to say that's a separate podcast in the future. Yeah. I wrote that down. <laughs> good catch. Available through staff is Mattel only. <laughs> Tiger, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say to to piggyback on how important this is. We we said at the beginning, you can have a licensed uh, branch employee program, and you can have a good licensed branch employee program. And oftentimes we confuse those simply by the talent that we put into it. And so if you don't get the right people in the role, you you mistakenly think it's the program versus. Um, the people that are in it. We all know this is a talent 
um, role and, and it takes the right talent to be successful. And so part of that, uh, the, the self-selection I've, I've unfortunately, um, experienced where we put people in roles simply to put people in roles and to fill a vacancy or to fill a number. And that never leads to success long-term. You may get short-term wins, uh, but it never leads to success long-term. So getting the right people, whether it's the FAs, the licensed branch employees, whoever it is, that's critical. And uh, I'd share maybe one one quick uh, best practice that I grew up with uh, early in my career um, to afford people that opportunity. So I, when we were trying to think of ways to promote folks, whether it be into a senior banker role or or just give them opportunities to expand their their skills, uh, we gave them three paths. Um, and and basically, most career paths take one in banking takes one of these three paths. Uh, you could go down a leadership path. In which case we would give you extra leadership coaching skills on how to be maybe that next manager, et cetera. You could go down the business banking path, uh, in which case we'd give you skills around commercial, commercial lending, et cetera, or you go down the investment path. Um, and by affording them the opportunity, and I think I heard the opt-in word, right? To let them opt in to um, their career path and seeing, hey, we could maybe go down a specific path. Now you've got their buy-in to it because they've selected that path for, for a career. Um, and that was something that worked well early on in my career to have those people opt in to that path and you know they want a career in investments. Hey, who here has not had somebody believe in us and say, I think you'd be good at this and then commit yourself to that person or that effort? I agree with you, Tiger. We Where we are growing, and, and this is just great where I am currently because they are, they don't, they don't stub their toe twice and so they're wondering, how do we do this? And that is a to go to somebody and say, we're going to commit for those that may be listening or saying, well, man, that sounds really good, but I don't think they're going to buy me going with four people or five or 10 or 20, or let's voluntold 50. Let's just do this. Start with one and then pour resources in and proof the concept. And we are growing by the people, not by the location. Even if you have the right person, even in a small branch that may not have as many transactions or deposits, Get the right person and watch watch what happens, and then others start looking around and saying, "Boy, that's pretty pretty neat." The the importance of getting the right people and Tiger, your point was a really good point. People, there are institutions that get the wrong people in the seats and then blame it on the program, right? Um, but I mean, think of you know, think of sports, think of drafts, right? I mean, how important is a draft to 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 have a successful team? It it's no different at all. That's that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so good stuff. Kelly, any any last thoughts about this question before I pass it over to Bob? I'd just say it's spot on to lean into the retail partnership and, and the FAs to know what's happening in the branches and who might be in that pipeline. I know when I was a retail leader, I could always count on my financial advisors to tell me exactly what the culture within a branch was, who was working hardest, where I could expect excellent customer experience outcomes. And so it's spot on to lean into that talent to recognize the talent that's coming forward for a program like this. Yeah, it's the radar, right? Your radar always has to be uh, has to be up and and leverage the people that know what's going on. Um, so that's good. All right, so we're going to get into the compensation thing now. And my guess is this will be the last question for this part of the podcast, or or, or we'll call it part one, maybe of this discussion. But let's let's dig into that, Bob. Go ahead. 
No, I think you you nailed it. This is um as as we start talking, there are so many different things to really discuss. Mm -hmm. But you know, I know everyone's been waiting for the compensation goals performance management piece of this. And I'm going to start off with Maestro um, Simul over here and ask him about the compensation plans that are being implemented at SAFE and goals and performance management. Also, what about continuing education? I mean, I think somebody touched on it before about the operations side. Employees in the, in the branch don't necessarily know all of the operational details. So there's got to be a lot of work over there. And we also talk a lot about sales skills and product knowledge, but also process. And we always say that your process is your product. How does that all relate to the whole idea of an LBE? But let's start with compensation. I threw a lot at you. No, it was like 15 you're... questions in one question, Bob. What the heck? You said it, well, you said it was going to be the last question, so I'm really <laughs> top High-performance call, high-performance answer. Here we go. Let's go. As you know, Bob, I have five principles of platform success, right? They're paramount to platform success, which do include the pay. They all start with P. So we talked about the people. Got to get the people right. You have to have the process. How do you train, coach, and motivate them? The product, we we'll, probably won't get there. We keep that pretty narrow. The, the fourth is pay. And you probably wonder what the fifth is, and that, that's the party. How do you reward and recognize outside of pay? But most licensed branch employees aren't primarily motivated by pay. Some are. And I think it's really important to get that right. Then, and Chuck mentioned it, it, it can't compete with what the FA is doing. You can't have an FA call you like one did and call me. It was like, hey, am I in competition with this guy now? Or So I had to help him understand the rest of the story. So on the pay side, we do, I've seen it work with people pay um, and have done it in the past where you pay on principal dollars invested. That can work if you manage it right. We have chosen, and I prefer revenue. If everybody's rowing to a revenue goal, it's not mutually exclusive to serve your member, help your client and make your revenue goal. We're, um, we're not here for free. So the, the pay part of it is they are directly rewarded for the revenue they generate. We have two tiers of that. I don't know if you want to go specifically into that, but in just some places we'll pay six or seven or 8%. I'm not afraid to say we pay, we have a 10 and 15%. At certain point along the line, you start at 10% of, of the revenue you generate. And then if you get to 50,000 in revenue in one year that you have personally written, not, not referred, but written is then you get a bump to 15 and that's pretty generous. We front end load that. I think it's important to reward the people that are helping you generate revenue. And then the the rest of that goes to the grid of the FA. You have to reward that person who's going to spend time developing that LBE. I have a talk I give. It's called uh, From Hunter to Farmer and Back. Mm. A, whole, a whole session about how most FAs, uh, we're hunters. We, if I don't kill today, I don't eat today. If I don't catch a fish today, my family could go hungry. So that's the mentality of a great FA. Totally fine. The they have to learn how to be farmers. And that pay part helps them know that who doesn't like a nice side of rice with their freshly caught salmon or who doesn't like the mashed potatoes to go with that filet. And that's 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 something that is very important for me to help them know it will be it will come to you. you just be patient. Trust me. And then they see the guys who are at the top of the stack and what they've done. And they know that they're being rewarded for that part. So that that pay part is for sure there on the CE side and goals. Pretty simple. We roll. We've matured to an industry average now, which twenty year average. Scott, you can probably back this up. 
up or down from $1,000 a month in written revenue for a licensed branch employee. For the last 20, 20 years, that's about what it's been. So we benchmark to the industry average. So I we can coach them to your, hey, you're twice the industry average. Let's get you to three times. Or if they're below that, we've matured into that spot. And then on the CE, the continuing education formalized, of course, we provide all that and track that and make sure that they keep up, up to date with that through our broker dealer and through a few other vendors. But their continuing education beyond the formal side certainly comes in that mentor-mentee relationship with their FA and time that we get together with them, even as part of our larger wealth management group. I think that's the first time mashed potatoes and rice were talked about on a podcast of ours, Scott. Um, <laughs> hey, Bob, he's, 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 he, he's talking about all kinds of food, and he <clears throat> they're in California, but it's six thirty yeah. here. He's I know, I know. Really so, hungry now. <laughs> but the only thing, and I know I throw a lot to that question. Just give me thirty seconds on goals and how the goals for the LBE and FA are either aligned, not aligned, joint. How how does that work? Sure. You, uh, and then I'll, I'll let Chuck talk to it too. Yes. For us, uh, they are, it is a responsibility of the FA to help them at least get to the LBE, get to their goal. But it is the manager in the branch who has the stick. We just have white hats. We have carrots. Uh, we, they, we have to make really good friends with the people with the sticks if needed. We're, we're Some institutions will say you'll lose your license if you don't generate X. If that's what they have to do, that's what they have to do. We use the carrot. We shine up the carrot. We train, we coach, we motivate. We we just invest heavily if someone's in jeopardy of not making their goal. I don't know, Chuck, how do you do that on, on the goal side? Uh, with the licensed bankers, they all have the same goal. So we figure they all have the same opportunity. So that is, again, managed by the bank. They same manage that on their scorecard. They manage that target. And then I just am the tracker and make sure they're doing it compliance-wise. Now, my FAs all have different goals, um, and they're supposed to be talking together so that they're working toward the same goals. Um, so we kind of push them together sometimes, but I agree with you. It's, you know, it's got to be at the individual level. So, Coach, we, we, we want to hear your side of the compensation story, and also talk to us a little bit about the education side, because I think it was you that mentioned there's a whole education process on the operation side of this as well, to a degree. Yeah, so let's start with compensation, because um, compensation is key to the success of anything. And it depends on how people are rewarded if they're going to do it. My FAs, it's a very basic, simple program. You generate revenue, you pay it on the grid. That's the way it is. The more you do, the more you get paid. Can't get much more simpler than that. Now, my licensed bankers are very, very different. Quarterly, they have to do a minimum of two new tax ID numbers opened in investments. Minimum of two per quarter. Then they are gridded from 500,000 up to 7.5 million. And they can make anywhere from 1,000 to $9,000 a quarter, depending on the asset that sticks on the books for 12 months. It's not their responsibility to do what's right for the client. So we don't have them track revenue on this. That's up to the FA to do that. Annually, the licensed bankers then have a bonus based on their total number of tax ID numbers they've generated throughout the year. So now the assets don't matter. It's just how many new clients did you bring over to investment services this year? 
Um, all three of our sales organizations have a scorecard. The branches have a scorecard. Investments is part of that. The private bankers have a scorecard. We are equally weighted with residential lending, commercial lending, and bank deposits. We are equal weighted to their rankings for their trips. And then the financial advisors have a scorecard because we track what they've given back to the branch. Closed referrals, what have I given back to the bank? You can't expect to walk into a bank and just give me referrals. I'm such a good looking guy, please. <laughs> no, you have to bring your clients to the bank. And that's what's key to the same piece is that synergy working together. Um, similar to David, we do track CE for everybody. I track it for everybody. So I have the compliance department at LPL sending me regular reports. Then I communicate that to the head of the licensed banker program if we have any issues. Um, we talked a little bit about goals, but for the licensed bankers, it's pretty much standard. They've all got similar size books. They've got similar size opportunities. They all have the same goal. And I think I just uncovered the secret to 70% of assets outside of the bank. Two new tax ID numbers. Wow. Yep. I have never heard of that as a goal. Everyone listening, write that down. That <laughs> is cool. I like that. Um, Thank you. I had asked another question. I'm going to save it for part two so I keep our audience at you know ready to hear part two. And that was all about the process. And how is your process, your product, as an LBE, but I think we're running out of time. And I think we, I don't know if we mentioned, we always end these with a, um, a lightning round question. So let me just pass it to Scott. He might have some closing thoughts before he goes into lightning. We, we, we have a fun lightning round question, but um, I want to make sure. So based on a lot of the good stuff that Chuck and David just said, and you know, Tiger, I saw you nodding your head and Kelly, you too. So I want to make sure you guys have a chance to give your last thoughts and comments relative to the whole compensation picture, because I, I, I value the position you're in. That being, you see a lot of these programs and you see what works and what doesn't work. So you, you probably have some thoughts relative to compensation because you look at program and say, all right, well, that one just popped. Why? Well, it was a little compensation tweak or something like that. Right. So just, you know, give me your, I don't want to put you on the spot, but Tiger, you're not in your head. Why don't you go first? Yeah, I, I would say this is a very similar conversation to the talent. Programs can live or die off of getting this balance between incentive and performance management right. I've seen programs and we've seen programs that um, have bankers with call it scorecards or performance management that don't properly reward for the efforts in an investment. So no matter how much you compensate them, they're pulled towards performance management because everybody wants to do a good job in their role. And so if you don't include investments as a as part of their scorecard, part of their performance management, as part of their success, then you're not going to get um, that licensed banker's full performance. Likewise, um, I've seen um, the other side where you you overly weight the incentive or the cop plan towards investments, and now they don't become a holistic, full service, uh, balanced banker to to meet all of the, the the clients' needs because they're drawn so much towards the incentive on the on the investment side. So getting that balance right of how much do you incent versus how much do you performance manage on a scorecard is critical to having a successful program. Um, when it's out of whack, one tends to suffer and all of a sudden you wonder why we have this program to begin with. 
And then once you strike that balance, carry it through to the manager and regional manager level. So don't silo that balance and that incentive to the, the individual contributor. The managers are there to help determine what that allocation of time will be. And if that's out of whack or not in balance, that same impact will occur. Interesting stuff. And I think that's uh, good insights. Um, all right. So we will most likely have a part two of this because there's a lot to layer into here, but let's finish this one off with a lightning round question. And uh, this is one that I just made up and I'm not sure where it came from, but <laughs> since we're recording this in December uh, and the stock market just hit, hit two records in a row, right? So we're now over 37,000. So I'm going to ask this, and we're going to check it at the end of 2024. Give me your predictions of where you think the stock market will be at the end of 2024. Who's brave enough to start with that one? Chuck is laughing. I'm going to go to you, Chuck. Oh. Just give me your thoughts. Um, I think it's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. I think we're going to end around 37,538,000. That's my call. Cool. Uh, Come David? on, David. Let's hear yours. All right. Dow 40,000. NASDAQ 18,000. S&P 5,000. Too much money has been mopped up, has to go somewhere. Where else better than equities? Everybody knows it. So my, my I'll give you my, my answer was 40,000. That's that's where I think we'll be. Do I win, in, do I win in, anything? At the end of next year. Um <laughs> We'll see. It depends if you invite me on the ski trip or not. That's right. All right, Lifty's at Tahoe. That's what you're bringing. Kelly, what do you think? I'll ride the roller coaster with Chuck. I'd say we'll ride the roller coaster and 38. Well, I mean, it's an election year, so it will be a roller coaster, no doubt about it, right? Yeah, I was going to say that might have have some impact. But I think if I remember correctly, most election years, if we're, we're talking right after election, uh, there tends to be a drop. So I actually won. I actually, I think we, I think we're going to be closer to flat for the year. Um, I think we'll ro ride some roller coasters, but I think by December 31st, um, we'll actually be back to probably flat. All right. You and Chuck are the same. All right, Bob, what about you? I wrote down plus 10%, which is pretty much what, uh, what you said. So um, I think we'll be at 40. All right, so we're going to check this at the end of next year. <laughs> well, with that, I think we are done for this part of this episode. So thank you all very much for participating and sharing your insights and your knowledge. I know our listeners will get a lot out of this, and we appreciate your willingness to spend time with us. So thank you very, very much. And thank you again, LPL, for being our partner in creating this episode. Very much appreciated. Bob, any last thoughts, comments? Um, just a couple. Um, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this, you probably got it on Apple, Spotify, or Google. You know, keep your subscription going because there definitely will be a part two. Because in part two, you will find out whether the other three participants of this podcast will become LBEs. And also... <laughs> We have, this is in our industry leadership and success series. We have other podcasts that are out there as well. If you're a fintech person, Untangling Fintech. If you're a, a trend person, BISA Industry Trend Watch. And if you're really into the protection industry, the FIIC 
Presents podcast series is also out there. So listen to them all. You can get a lot of good information. And there will be a part two. So thanks so much again for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Industry Leadership and Success. We hope you found the discussion enjoyable and valuable. Also, don't forget to check out our two other podcast series, Untangling FinTech and BISA Industry Trend Watch. Please subscribe to our podcast and join us again for future episodes.